Ricky ready to play today? <laughs> Do you think he's going to have good bat flips? Hello, and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I'm Jeff Hopkins, and I'm joined by my good pals, Richard Manfredi. Hello. And Michael Winfield. Howdy. These guys, uh, I hate them, but I love them, but I hate them. And I think they hate each other because they're always arguing about the Mount Rushmore of life, the four things that best represent a certain topic. And they, as usual, have asked me to jump in and serve as judge and jury to decide who's right about this week's topic, things about baseball that aren't necessarily playing the game of baseball, but that are about baseball. That we don't like. That we, it, do like. that we do I, like. And it could be about playing the game a little bit, but it's not like, I like home runs. Yeah. That's really great when somebody's, or somebody's striking out. It's not about like the core, like action of baseball, okay. but it may be something that, a little thing that happens in the game that's cool. Well, okay. I, th- I think what's, it, what's always interesting about baseball in general is that, you know, it's still described as the, you know. America's pastime. America's pastime. And I think pastime really gets into it. I think going to a game is the best like sporting experience you can have. Richard yeah. and I actually recently went to a Los Angeles Rams game. Of Los Angeles. Of Los Angeles. Oh. And it was just kind of like... They're the scrappy new team here. Aren't yeah. You? <laughs> it's like, well, there you go. There's a... Things are happening. But like with baseball games, I don't know. You're just kind of... You're more involved in your own kind of conversations yeah. or there's a little bit more kind of looser activity and mm-hmm. you're kind of okay with it. With football, you're like, what did I miss? What, yeah. Wait, but... Did the guy? No, no, that was a. And then there's you know some idiot behind you that doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't know what a holding penalty is. Yeah. So I guess uh, you know we'll get started on this and share our opinions, and promise not to get like too Ken Burnsy and philosophical or anything like that. But uh, uh, no, you know I'm not going to make those promises. So Michael, you chose the topic. Does that mean Richard goes first? Yeah, Richard's, Richard's home Richard's in bad and away. First. How many times do we have to go over this, Jeff? It's unbelievable. This is hold a, on a second. I'm look. I'm like Lieutenant O'Hara from the Starship Enterprise. I repeat the obvious things that happen. Like if the computer says hailing all frequencies, I say I'm hailing all frequencies. I've I've always wondered why you have that sharp piece of metal jammed into yeah. your ear. <laughs> so my first one is a. It's it's kind of a broad one, and I'll I'll, I'll give a couple of specifics, but just bullpens in general. Bullpens just. Just the, 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 the all the sh- bullpens, comma, and all the shenanigans that happen within. Like the grab-assery of... There's so much grab-assery. 12 guys sitting back there away from the action and not really involved until the, someone's like, hey, got to go to work now. Okay. Okay, got to get up. And at least half of the team, or half the guys in the bullpen, will not do anything that game. So they are just sitting there, you know, playing pranks on each other, giving them, giving them the other guys the hot foot. Doing, doing, doing dog impressions. <laughs> yeah. What's going on back there, guys? R- Robert Wool is walking around, chomping on Ex- uh, tobacco. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's just so much. I, I remember was it last year where a couple of guys, I think it was from the White Sox, came up with this thing. I don't know, can't remember what team it was. But when a, when a home run got hit near them, one of them would grab the other one and pretend to punch him. Like so, like as the camera would pan over to the bullpen, like the ball's getting hit for home runs, uh, going right in the bullpen. Yeah, they would like pantomime like a, a fight happening there. <laughs> and it's like you guys are 30, 28 year old men. And this is probably they spent hours planning this, days, weeks. <laughs> they got nothing to do. And that's, that's all they got to do. And then you got like the bullpen catcher, which his job is basically to sit in the bullpen, wait for somebody you need somebody to throw the ball with them. Mm-hmm. And then just catch the ball. He's basically a designated dad. Yeah. Is what he is. <laughs> Go have a toss with him. And then what else you got in the bullpen? Oh, you got the bullpen phone. 
important. It's like the bat phone, but uh, but for fat <laughs> in rele- less dire situations for fat lefty relievers. <laughs> and was it? It was the Cardinals a few years ago with the La Russa, right? Where they had they couldn't get a bullpen. They couldn't get a reliever in because the bullpen phone didn't work. I think that's sounds that sounds right. right. And it was guys use a cell phone, send a text. Nobody there has like a email. You can't can't send a well. They have the, the an alert. Motorola sponsorship for the bullpen phone. That's really important that they <laughs> they have use to use that. has to be branded the as Motorola. Forty three phone. I mean, or just send somebody literally to run the I don't know five hundred yards to the bullpen to say hey get Jones up and then run back. Is the bullpen a problem or is the fact that a camera is pointing at it the problem? Because if you were <laughs> at your job and just farting around on a daily basis unless you had a meeting nobody would know that you're screwing around oh yeah if i was if, if i had to be in the bullpen for my job they, they just cut over and be just like looking at facebook for six yeah. hours a day <laughs> that would be pretty bad do you have a do you have a favorite um this is i like this pick a lot do you have a favorite like bullpen in the majors because like some of them are like pretty straightforward they're just kind of behind the outfield fence but then like some stadiums, they're like right along the first and third base line that seem dangerous. Yeah, that seems like somebody's going to get plunked at some point. How is that like, how is like the the Players Association not been like, okay, how many injuries are yeah. we going to cause by this giant mound of dirt in the middle of the sideline where pe- people are frequently running the catch foul balls? I do like whenever there's action in the pin on one of those ones that's actually semi in the field of play, at least in foul territory, and a ball gets hit over there. And suddenly everyone has to run like hell and scramble to get out of the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's the like most exercise they've gotten all week. Yeah, ma- major league baseball players going baseball, ah, run away. <laughs> um, I do like. I think it was Cincinnati. Is that the double decker one? Yeah, where they that one ha- looks good. Where they had a one time. A, or maybe it's Cleveland. I we're gonna remember. get we're gonna get ripped apart by the baseball nerds. <laughs> yeah, being like, how come you don't know exactly what was baseball? This is exactly how people sound online. But. <laughs> A throw got loose in the bullpen and went into the field of play at the exact same time a ball got hit over somebody's head, and he got confused by which ball he had to pick up. It's like something out of a Naked Gun Yeah, when uh, Leslie yeah. Nielsen just throws up nine balls and... Everyone's confused, doesn't know what to do. Yeah. How is any of that acceptable? How many children are allowed near the bullpen? So it seems like there was a bat boy or somebody, and I remember th- thinking, I always think, a child is not hearing anything that they should hear. There's, there's no good, there's zero there's good zero conversations good happening. Conversation. One last thing about the bullpen I should point out. I always appreciate whenever there's a, like a, like someone gets hit, there's a brawl that starts, you know, the batter runs at the pitcher to go start a fight. Hmm. And then like benches kind of clear, and it kind of starts going... And then about five, ten seconds later, bullpen gates open up, and here comes everybody kind of half jogging out of the outfield oh, yeah. and get there like 30 seconds later. All One or two <laughs> things happen. Either they get there and they're so winded that they can't do anything. I feel like this is Canada in the in a war. Yeah, or they're so like ha- hyped up from like 30 seconds of running that the thing's basically stopped, and then some Yahoo from the relief pitcher comes in and just takes a wild swing at somebody. And why are they opening the bullpen doors for this? Back, back, why, no, no, why are they opening the bullpen doors for this? Back at the turn of the century, they probably had, like, miniature horses that were inside, like, the walls. <laughs> like, so they just, like, would just, they just start whipping them, and like, the doors would just start cranking open. So there's, like, a fight going on, right? And the bullpen guys are just like, hey, we need to get out. Why don't the people who, like, security or whatever say, no, you don't need to run out there to be part of the fight. Just keep them in the Damn bullpen. Well, there should be some sort of backup where, like, 
So maybe it's the the call that should actually trigger, like the door being opened. Right. In no other situation should the door be open so that the phone call that well, goes the phone to the bullpen, has to trigger it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, well, or or <laughs> if they're going to do it that way, if they're going to let the bullpen guys out for the fight, remember the old bullpen cars? Yeah. They had like the big helmet of the yeah. guy, and then yeah. they would like it was like the golf cart. Uh-huh. That way that you know they don't have to do the strenuous walk of 150 feet. <laughs> Maybe that's how I like, get one of those that loads up the entire bullpen. Yeah. Have like just a big like tank or something or some sort of like army vehicle. <laughs> or, or clown they can car. all come in. What's our clown, <laughs> car. clown car? Just to pile them all in and pile them all out when the fight starts. So yeah, the bullpen, a great source of, uh, like you said, grab ass. Right? <laughs> that's great. Okay, Michael, what's your first? Well, I wanted to start this off um, by talking about the first pitch of the ball game. But specifically, when someone's throwing out the first pitch and then the catcher also happens to be like a father that's returning from war, I mean, that's just heart melting. Yeah. The kid's up there and they've won some sort of prize and they get to toss out the first ball. And, oh, yeah. And, you know, it, maybe it makes it to the plate. Mm-hmm. But then that dad rips off that yeah. the, the helmet or the, uh, the face mask and the kid or the wife is just thrilled. I'm also really fond of like humans returning to dogs in like wartime. <laughs> like they come home from war and like they go and see their dogs as well. I thought you were going to say that then the dad rips off the catcher's mask, then the robot rips off the dad mask. <laughs> <laughs> the cyborg stomps toward the child and crushes him. Or the loving robotic arms. Or the dad plunks the kid and the kid brushes the mound. <laughs> Than the bullpen. <laughs> uh, I think it's just something that's uniquely like this happens in every game. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something like 2,000 baseball games a year, and yeah. every game now has a first pitch. Mm-hmm. But there's always like the select few where there's the, those weird like heartstrings that are getting yeah. pulled. Yeah. Um, I was doing a little bit of research about just throwing out the first pitch in general. Ronald Reagan was the first one to do it from the mound. He did it in like an Orioles game in like the 80s. Oh, wow, really? I thought it was Dave was the first one to do it. Dave, the, actually, Kevin Klein. Yeah, to actually throw a, a <laughs> 12 to 6 curveball. Um, but I guess that, you know, presidents used to do it before dating back to like Taft, but mm-hmm. they'd throw it out from the stands that just oh, put really? the ball into the field of play. Oh, wow. Well, you know what Taft did, right? He just ate the ball. <laughs> Because he, he was he fat, ate, he, by the way. He's he, fat. He ate the uh, fried casing around it, just got down to the... Um, I want to throw it out from the pitcher's mouth. I don't know. Throwing out the first pitch is always like one of those weird baseball traditions yeah. that, um, you know, sometimes it's relegated to like a crappy celebrity mm-hmm. that gets yeah. super embarrassed when they can't throw it or, uh, yeah. you know, some... It just is not. It's like the national anthem to a non-singer. It's not a great showcase of your abilities if you're not an athlete. I yeah, think. yeah. Do they have anything like that in other sports? Where like, is there like a football that's punted out or like? Well, a... they do the coin toss ceremony, ceremonial coin toss. In oh, I guess football. so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basketball, I don't know. Uh, maybe I don't think there's. Maybe they do the ceremonial throw the ball up in the air. Or... In UFC, hockey, who gives a shit? <laughs> in U- somebody come out and just bleed on the ice to get things going. Okay, so uh, we've done our first. Richard, what's your second? All right, so my second one is um, walk-up music mm. or closer music, which walk-up music, so basically it's the music that if a baseball player is getting ready to come up to bat, it's the music that they'll play over the PA system right before they uh, get to the plate. And some of them are just weird. Like you occasionally get the guy like Chris Sales, Whenever he has to bat, he's a pitcher for the White Sox. So he doesn't hit very much unless it's interleague. 
But when he does come up to bat, it's uh, Come Sail Away by Sticks. <laughs> oh, wow. Chris Sale. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> uh, the recently retired Prince Fielder actually didn't have walk-up music. He just had an air raid siren, which seems like, you know, an interesting choice. When half the crowd, half the crowd starts to exit the building. <laughs> They're like, oh, there's a, bo- there's a bomb here. We're in trouble. Yeah, but you don't, you, that's not great. It's just, it's interesting because you can almost tell like, okay, there's the white catcher. He's going to be playing some country. Yeah. So when, whenever somebody plays something that doesn't seem to match what you would think they would play, it's always interesting. Does it seem like a nickname, whereas if somebody else gives you your nickname, often it kind of fits kind of awkwardly with your personality. You don't like it. But if you choose your own, it could aggrandize a personality trait you don't, don't even have. So if it's come sail away, the guy didn't pick that, right? It just He just kind of got it because it's a pun on his name. Yeah, could But be. if you're a doofy country catcher, they're going to... You, you said, hey, man, could you play... Um, some Garth Brooks? Yeah, I think you get to choose. I mean, mainly you get to choose, but I'm sure there's some sort of like, if you're a rookie. Oh, you're forced to. You're probably forced yeah. for here, something. Here, now, you're list- now your walk-up music is the worst song by Taylor Swift. Right. Or, well, I don't know if this was the reason, but um, Zach Walters from the Cleveland Indians last year, his walk-up music was Let It Go from the Frozen soundtrack. Um, <laughs> Let me suck if your name was like, Gary, you can't touch this. <laughs> And they didn't have they the didn't. rights to it. You wound up having to get Rex in effect or something. I mean, they should get branding involved and have like the Nokia like cell phone ring that was yeah. from like Jurassic Park. That really. So we're, we're you and I are Dodgers fans. What's yeah. what's the best Dodger walk up music? Is it the Adrian Gonzalez uh, mariachi song? That one's pretty good. I guess that's the 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 one that stands out the most. You, the you the know most it's... instantly recognizable. Yeah. What was, what was Grinky's was something oh, weird, uh... right? It was a uh, Careless Whisper for a while, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Uh, I think uh, Justin Turner, who has a nickname of Red Turn 2, they played like Turn Down for What? Oh, okay. Every time he'd come up, mm-hmm. which I, I guess that's fine. I think, I guess Aegon's is probably the best. I do appreciate that uh, Francisco Cervelli of the uh, Pirates has um, Frank Sinatra as his walk up music. That's classy. Yeah. Keep it oh, classy. Didn't, uh, didn't what's his name do that too? Well, okay, so what do you think about the Yankees? Because they don't like they don't allow it. They have that. Oh, they, we- they they have their old announcer doing like sometimes like they would do that with Jeter. Do you remember that? Yeah, like sometimes they they'd play like a Sinatra for Jeter, or they 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 do something weird. But uh... what what do you think about the Yankees? <laughs> you really want to know what I think about the Yankees? No, <laughs> you really. Don't I guess they're anything. above everything. They they don't allow mustaches and music. What yeah, unfun- sideburns, sideburns. <laughs> horrible, unfun team. So so you've got the walk up music, and then you've got the closer music, which is probably even more. I guess. Iconic, the music when the closer again makes his yeah. dramatic 150 foot leisurely stroll out of the bullpen. That's like Wild Thing in Major. Yeah, League basically, yeah. Picture that the X version of Wild Thing, which I don't know that anyone actually uses that. In. Someone should take that back. But you know, it was like the Eric Gagne had Hell's Bells. I remember for the Dodgers for a long time. Did he have Hell's Bells? No, I'm thinking of Trevor Hoffman. There, there are definitely songs that are re- you would think oh, about. What's with his closers. name had? What's his name had? Uh, Enter Sandman. Yeah, Percival. No. Oh, um, um, Mariano Rivera. Yeah. And I've always wondered, if it was me, I would have like a song that would just, instead of trying to intimidate the batters. The taxi theme. Yeah. <laughs> I would have something like that. Or I would have... <laughs> I, <laughs> or the heart-to-heart theme, heart-to-heart. A complete with Max's uh, voiceover. <laughs> She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. <laughs> or this is Mrs. A. She's gorgeous. What a terrific She's like the wind by Patrick Swayze. 
Because who could hit after that? <laughs> okay, so uh, walk up, uh, closer music. Uh, Michael, your second is what? Uh, mine is more celebration in baseball, and it's the bat flip. Oh. And the bat flip is, I guess it's kind of a nouveau choice. It is, you know, the... That's uh... <laughs> my favorite thing. My favorite thing, and I'm not editing out this this part out of the podcast. My favorite thing in the world is Richard taking the hugest gulp of water and just like gurgling it down like a sparklets bottle, like it's being refilled into the container. Guys, I get really thirsty. <laughs> all right, like really thirsty. I ran twelve miles before I got here. You idiots! <laughs> You're the best. So, like, when a guy like hits a home run, or like even a double sometimes, or in a Yasil Puig's. Uh, case pops out they'll like pimp their their bat by just tossing it yeah after and it's like it's something that a lot of um like conservative baseball writers come down on as like disrespecting the game but I that's ju- an i believe that's an unwritten rule oh Michael. that's that's okay i'm glad that it's such a great weird celebration that uh I, I guess speaks to our generation of it's it's a little showy but who cares if you're just playing you're just playing a a game and whatever because, you know, if somebody flips a bat after hitting a home run, the appropriate thing to do is to throw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball at the next guy's ribs. Because <laughs> he had something to do. More, uh, more unfun people playing the game and unwritten rules about and respect. And I don't know. I think I, I like that it kind of uh, flips in the face of danger, in the face of... Uh, you know who was a good, like, old-school bat flipper? Who? Ricky Henderson. Was he good? Oh, Ricky would have some great bat flips. Ricky didn't care. He's a man. There's a man who never referred to himself as any, any anything but the the third person. Ricky ready to play today. <laughs> Do you think he's gonna have good bat flips? I believe he is. Also, Korean baseball players in oh. general, they make a. It's like a. That's great because nobody gets nobody. The pitchers don't seem to get mad about it. It's almost like it's just part of the game. That's I I yeah. I'm glad you brought up uh, uh, another baseball league that outshines us on this on that uh, on that stage. That's great. Okay, so this is the seventh inning stretch. This is where we play Take Me Out to the Ball Game and the background while I implore you, the listener, to go online to the Mount Rushmore podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and give it a ranking and give it a review. We'd love to hear what you think about it and we'd love for other people to see how you feel about it. That doesn't make sense. Go to the Mount Rushmore podcast Twitter. You can see us out on Facebook. We'd love to hear your suggestions for future uh, subjects that we can tackle and love to hear your feedback on the stuff that we've already talked about. All right. So uh, we've each, it's two and two. Time to go to the bullpen now. Time to go to the bullpen now. It's all tied up. <laughs> it's all tied up. Richard's motioning. <laughs> signal in for the lefty. And here he comes out to start brawling. <laughs> Wrong signal. Rich, Richard, what's your third choice? <laughs> uh, I, I'm from the from Kansas City. We've got the wonderful fountains in the outfield. This reminds me of those fountains in uh, Kauffman Stadium. So my third one is catchers framing the pitch. Oh, It's such a beautiful thing. Um, so if you don't aren't a big baseball fan, basically it's when the catcher attempts to, I guess, influence the umpire to think that a ball that's borderline is actually a strike. It's called lying. Yeah. Lying. By the way, they catch the ball, maybe try, if it's a little bit wide, try and bring the glove immediately back in so it looks like it was closer. Oh, okay. And as Michael said, it's it's basically being a con artist is what it is. You don't see that really in any other sport. I mean, you have like flopping and diving and yeah. pretending there wasn't a foul or something like this. 
the Olympics just wrapped up and uh, been watching a little bit of just, you know, weird sports, watching fencing. And after every point, each guy. <laughs> this ancient sport that's actually based upon this respectable battle. Fencing actually had a use for a while. <laughs> weird sport. And now it's just like like two dandy guys dressed yeah. up. Ballet it, with shish kebab. And, <laughs> And it, and it doesn't matter, like, who thinks they got the point or not. They both turn to the judge oh. and throw their fists up in the air as yeah. if, like, to try to convince them. Yeah. This oh, is wow. basically the baseball version of that. Uh-huh. And it's, like, an art. They, they they actually keep stats about this, which catchers are the best at framing pitches. So they can compare, like, whether a ball was actually a ball, but the, their pitcher got the call versus maybe – the other team's pitcher didn't mm. get it, and they can average that out through the course of the year. And I just I can't think of another sport where a the strike zone's weird in baseball anyway. It, it's a set strike zone, but no umpire has the same strike zone. No, and it also it seems to like it seems to vary from player to player, or it's it's from like the bottom of the letters to the knees. But the way it's like displayed on TV with like that ridiculous batting box, the one that's superimposed. It always stays the same, no matter the height of the player. So I'm just watching. You're just like, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's happening. But it's it's so. First off, you've got to strike. Uh, can you? Like, it would be like if in tennis, the first where you have to get the first serve in would be different sizes, <laughs> yeah. depending on if the guy's taller or shorter who's returning it. It's like, well, he's taller, so you can hit a little bit wider. But then imagine if. The guy who's returning the serve had the ability to say, no, that was really in. That was really, see, I was in. And kind of influenced the judge to be able to do that. There's like nothing exactly like this because it's, the strike zone is so important and yet it's so nebulous and who the hell knows what it really is. So these catchers just made this art form of blurring, blurring the lines. Just blurring the lines. Yeah, it's incredible. Okay. Uh, what's your third, Michael? Uh, my third is uh, a foul ball catch by a fan. But at the same time, saving a baby <laughs> and or their full beer. And the round of applause that it generates from the audience of, like, it really makes you put into perspective what their, uh, what their motivations are. Where, like, can't put down this beer. Or, yeah, this is the most expensive beer I've ever purchased. <laughs> $13 beer. <laughs> but I got to get that ball. Yeah. But it's like a weird statement. Can't statement. put down this kid. Most expensive kid I've ever purchased. I wonder how many people like, how many gifts of people out there are just like turned around and protecting their baby versus the person that's actively yeah. Yeah. reaching up to try to catch that's them. That's actually the better dad. Yeah. So the, the dad who dad. was like, I don't need the ball. I'm going to make sure my six-month-old doesn't get creamed in the head with we a never, we never screaming see, liner. We never see those, uh, see those replays either. You only see the ones that like are successful. Oh, it's like what you said like a few weeks ago about like uh, houses, like all the architecture that only exists. Yeah, yeah. We only see all of the amazing yeah, catches. The, that the have, bad stuff gets torn down. <laughs> we, we don't see the kid that, that you know, the two-year-old yeah. baby that got beamed in the head. <laughs> or I like the, uh, this is sort of ancillary to this, but when the guy catches the baseball with his beer. That's yeah. that's like, du- that's double up. But then they have to drink the rest of the beer with the baseball in it, <laughs> which you could not pay me to show them how incredible thousand dollars <laughs> to this tobacco stained, dirt sweaty. filled, sweaty. Yes. I mean, these the percentage of catching a 
foul ball is infinitesimally small, considering how Unless many... you're that one asshole who, like, goes around the country and just collects baseballs. Is, is you know that, this wait, guy? what? <laughs> Apparently, I, I think I do. I know there's a guy that, that sits in a very specific spot in the stadium... Wait, is it foul balls or is it home run balls? Home run balls. Yeah, and, and he, he films them, and he films them, and he goes around the country, and he collect. He has like I don't know what he has like two, ten thousand or some like insane number mm-hmm. of baseballs he's caught over the years. Yeah. I caught a ball at a Twins that game. Guy. I gotta say that was the most. My masculinity has only been tested a handful of times in my lifetime that I was aware of. It probably happened a lot, and I didn't even realize that this was a test. No, no. But having the ball come at you <laughs> and being already in a protective cringe pose <laughs> and reaching your arm out for a catching pose. Basically, your smalls from uh, yeah, from, no. from uh, Sandlot. Yeah. So I did catch it with my my bad hand, and but it was a hit in the hand, and then it went up in the air and a, a catch. That's uh, I It stung one. like a... Devil. I caught one a couple years ago too at yeah. Dodger Stadium, and I had the, it was the same thing. It was yeah. it ricocheted or it slapped off one of my friend's hands, and I was <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was back up to catch yeah. it. But here, this will make you feel good about yourself. Um, so there are two thousand four hundred thirty games a year, regular season games. There's about fifty foul balls that are hit per game between the two teams. Uh-huh. So that's one hundred twenty one thousand foul balls. Right. Well, so maybe you're not that special. But no, no. But 73 million people attended baseball games Uh last year. Wow. Which makes the uh, percentage of actually catching a foul ball 0.001647. So feel good about yourself. Yeah. Oh, my God. You're a a hero. Okay. (laughs) But did you also, were you holding a baby (laughs) or a full beer? (laughs) I think I had a hot dog. Yeah, how the hot dog turned out. Yeah, yeah. wait, let's hold on. <laughs> hold on. Let's talk more about the hot dog. Let's get into this hot dog talk. Also, one more thing, real quick. Don't bring your glove to the game. No, of course not. Don't bring your glove to the game. Not you're even not get in. it signed. <laughs> as Are, an adult, okay. As an adult, if you're five or eight, yes, yeah, that's fine. Okay. As a grown ass adult, don't do that. That's preventing the ball from coming your direction. Having no. that glove. Wait a second. Is this is this another unwritten rule that we're uh? No, I should be written. <laughs> I will write it if we need to. It's like I went to I used, one time as a reporter. I covered. Look to our website. The rule will be written on our website. <laughs> I went. I, I went as a reporter. I went to the the old Big A to cover motocross, and I, there were people in the stands that were wearing like the old Big A is a horrible <laughs> term for anything. That's or by the way, <laughs> the worst stripper name ever. <laughs> And there were these people in the stands that were wearing like the the out the shirts and like the and we saw people with like the writer's gloves. Oh wow! And I'm like, do you think that a <laughs> somebody's going to get hurt? You're and they're going to say, does anyone here know how to ride a motorcycle? And then, ah, does anyone have the gloves? And one stylist. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Michael, uh, that's your third. Richard, what's your fourth? All right, so my last one. I had a couple of options here. I I had written down. I'm I'm actually pulling a little bit of an audible for myself here. I had had. Well, do, what, I will do mine at the end. I had I had several different possible choices. Yeah. Um, but what I am going with is the soft serve in the ice cream helmet. Because <laughs> that is something you only get at the baseball game, and I will guarantee to you, I will get that every time. I love the Kula Coo at Dodger Stadium. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. I love the chocolate malt, yeah, or the malt, yeah. you know, the thing that comes like in the little yeah. cup. But it's just something about getting that 
helmet, that little like miniature helmet, and then it's filled with delicious chocolate vanilla swirl ice cream. And then when you're done, you've got a little Dodgers helmet that you can put on your head like a yarmulke or something. <laughs> I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. But I just remember being a kid and Baskin Robbins, eh, it's probably like early 80s, had like a promotion during like starter baseball season or something where you could get like two scoops of ice cream or a scoop of ice cream. And instead of a cup, you would get it like in a little mini, one of those mm-hmm. little, little mini helmets. That yeah. sounds familiar. And I must have collected half the teams. And it was just so awesome at the end. Like I'd had just a shelf full of like, you know, an Orioles helmet and like a you know Rangers helmet or whatever. And I didn't care about those teams, but it was just kind of cool to have this like neat, cheap collection of all this yeah. stuff. And I take my kids to the game and I guarantee you, I'm not walking out of there unless at least one of them gets, pretty much everyone has to get this. Except at Dodger Stadium, they do have the pink helmets and they assume my daughter wants a pink helmet. Ah. She has to get really mad about it. She gets mad mm-hmm. about this. I don't want a pink helmet. I, I want a blue helmet. I think it's Dodger's weird helmets that, are blue. that that, that's a wonderful tradition and prior to the plastic helmets when those ice creams were served in fabric hats that was just disgusting <laughs> yeah they <laughs> eating ice cream out of a small fabric hat i i don't remember the last time i had like an the ice cream out of like the the tiny hat um although <laughs> i went with our friend scott to a game and we ate nachos out of a giant helmet. <laughs> it's just these two stupid idiots. Like with this, he was so giddy. Like he is just this full, like how, full size. How does that work? It seems like the helmet. The I can tell you how helmet. much it costs. It was like twenty five bucks for crappy was that a nachos. Flatter version of a helmet. Should, should we tell you tell the story about at your uh, our spring training trip last year, or two years ago, I guess. At his bar mitzvah. When our friend Austin decided at the Dodgers spring training game that we needed nachos even though it was like eighth seventh inning and we we're all stuffed with food and alcohol shows up and austin just shows two, up two huge things two of nachos giant things of nachos yeah. and like nobody wants them <laughs> i was just like what are you doing uh, the flies and bees do though <laughs> i was like you can't keep that that's not going to settle very that's, you can't heat that up in the microwave at the hotel the next morning Okay, the helmet ice cream. Uh, let's hear your fourth and final choice. Mike. To wrap it up, I have uh, the catcher jumping into the pitcher's arms for a World <laughs> Series win, or or no hitter. I would uh, throw that in too. That usually I guess happens. I guess that's good. Yeah, yeah. I you know I I, I do like that the that that usually happens when um, <laughs> and this is followed by like a dog pile of thirty yeah. year olds. You know, twenty-five something, thirty-year-olds just dogpiling. This but, podcast just got sexy. <laughs> but just that, like the exuberance of like this one full-grown man jumping into the arms, and usually like his legs are like wrapped around him and straddling him, um, is just always so. F- it's so funny to see like grown men acting like you know little league players, like little boys over like you know their accomplishment, and it doesn't usually happen with like if the last out is like a ground ball out or like a fly ball out. There's not a lot of jumping into the arms, but like it's like you said, almost with like a perfect game too. Or strike. Yeah, it has to be like a strike or strikeout or something, yeah. There's just that moment where, you know, they're running those that 80 feet or 60 something feet from from the from home plate and just it's just it's just weird <laughs> and it's weird and like pure as like a final moment of that game. Uh, I I always think it's just really fun. I uh was thinking about as you were talking about this. I was thinking about the fact that, you know, when, whenever this final out happens, all the defense pretty much, you know, throw their hats and gloves in the air and go crazy. 
that gets done and everyone's trying to pile into the locker room to go have champagne celebrate. You know there is one poor, like, you know, equipment manager who is stuck <laughs> trying to collect all this shit <laughs> and then trying to figure out, okay, whose glove is this? Whose hat is this? Okay, is this Ricky's glove? It's not like they're writing their names on it, probably. This is not like fourth grade or anything. It's not like they're sitting there. It's not like, like at PE when someone had a glove and you didn't, so you'd have to like swap gloves between innings. That's not what happens. It also says also allergic to peanuts inside right now. <laughs> yes, exactly. So there's some poor schlub. While everyone else is getting like hammered and celebrating mm-hmm. and drinking out of plastic nacho cups or whatever, pl- nacho hats, helmets or whatever. <laughs> some poor schlub is stuck there for the next two hours collecting all their crap. Yeah. Do you know what's uh, unfortunate about like post-celebration or mid-celebration of like a World Series win or even like any sport is that there is some crappy marketing guy that hands out all these oversized t-shirts that these guys have to wear. Like it's such a, like yeah. they, put them, they put them on immediately and they, none of them fit and they all get drow, uh, doused in a champagne, you yeah. know, 15 minutes later, but they're all standing there and they're in like, it's almost like a gray shirt. They pick the most <laughs> unflattering, un... Uh, you know, connected color to the team, and, uh-huh. and they force all these guys. There's like, here's your shirt. Put on your shirt now. <laughs> and they're like still in gear. They're still in football yeah. pads. They're still in, yeah. uh, you know, their uniforms. Or I, I bet they do it with like hockey guys. That too, is a that funny aspect of how these people go from being gods to just workers in an awkward <laughs> office situation. <laughs> oh, the boss makes us go do this awkward thing, but we got to because it's the thing he wants us to do. We got to work this into the next contract we sign with the union guys. No more of these big shirts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the home and away team have both registered all four of their choices, and I, I'm really impressed because this is the first time in a long time there hasn't been any crossover between the two Oh, holy shit. Choices. You're right. Yeah, and I know maybe it's because these guys both love the sport of baseball, and it's very personal to them, and there's so many aspects. I think of baseball as kind of like this uh, gem that you can kind of look at from all these different angles and see all the different uh, colors that come out of it. So that was really interesting. Uh, my choice... I have to admit that I have never been a huge sports fan to begin with, but baseball was the one sport that I loved going to see with my family because there's so much to absorb in the stadium if you're sitting there. And you're just in this uh, green, beautiful pastoral environment with so many people and so much atmosphere. But I, as a kid, somehow I was delusioned. I knew that all teams would come play each other eventually, at least in the league that they were competing in. But for some reason, I thought Morgana the Kissing Bandit would eventually make her way to Kansas City, (laughs) that it was just a rotation that she was on like all the other teams. And so as a kid, I was just a huge fan, and you can maybe figure out why, of Morgana the Kissing Bandit, and especially when she uh, made George Brett the subject of her affections um, in one specific attack. As referenced in one of our previous episodes. Yeah, yeah. Did I say Morgana the Kissing Man? That was one of Richard's choices. Oh, okay. That's fine. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She she certainly deserves to go twice. (laughs) (laughs) If you know what I mean. That that also brings to me, like, what kind of sport is it? You know, baseball or football has cheerleaders, but I... I am amazed at how many mascots and offstage antics happen in baseball just to keep the sport lively. The fact that you, um, as a league, would first kind of rue the idea that this buxom blonde woman runs out into the the uh, field and then probably start to program it and fly her, pay to fly her to your team to have her run out and attack the pitcher or batter. So Morgana, 
that was uh, one of my favorites. I actually thought, by the way, I was positive your favorite was going to be the, the San Diego chicken. Oh, really? <laughs> I love the chicken. <laughs> or the or or just the TV show, The Baseball Bunch. <laughs> did did the San Diego chicken move a couple times? Well, yeah, because he was the San Diego chicken. He was like the San Diego chicken, and then San Diego, the team, like fired him or something. So he just became the chicken, and he was like the chicken for hire. Free, he's free range. Free range. <laughs> free range. <laughs> yes. Oh, lovely. Okay, well, now that's um, that made my decision easy because I was leaning towards Michael uh, in terms of his choices, and that just cemented it. Nothing like a, la- a late-ending joke to kind of drive things home with the judge. I really respect Richard's choices because they really ran the gamut. Uh, I think just kind of... of his advanced um, love and understanding of baseball that he has in his adult, and I imagine you've loved it your whole life, uh, but it's kind of really revealed by the fact that as a kid, collecting those helmets full of ice cream was kind of the way a kid would really kind of love one of the ancillary aspects of baseball. And then um, as the walk-up music, that's definitely part of the entertainment factor of that sport and how these uh, players who, from a distance... You might not even be able to tell one from another except for the number on their back, but their personalities are brought out in that music. And, and then the nuanced stuff, the framing of the catch, uh, the framing the pitch by the catcher, and then the antics and hijinks that happen in the bullpen. So uh, hats off, helmets off to Richard Manfredi. Hat tap, tip. Of the, tap it, tap of the <laughs> hit. No, that's not. Oh, uh, man, I wish I... Yeah, I wish... I, I, have, I have one that I wish I would have had. There's a couple, like... There's a couple that I wish. Can I'd we blow talk- through the ones that we wish we would have? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I wish I'd uh, done a uh, hat tip. Hat tip. Yeah, that's yours. So totally, totally unnecessary. What do you have? I wish I would have done old baseball cards, especially of players who played for 20 years, and they try to list all of the years stats. Oh wow! And the font was like two point. <laughs> uh, another one I had uh, was when uh, a guy at first base digs out a bad throw and then holds it up. And it's like, yeah, I got it, and runs off the field. The first like baseman that. pick, too. That's also <laughs> yeah. one of the first baseman. The other one would have been just overly dramatic umpires. Just the Leslie Nielsen sort yeah. of like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the moonwalk back. Yeah. Um, well, I don't get any extra picks, but mine would have been thumbprints in your hot dog from being passed down 20 <laughs> drunk people. By the time you get it, <laughs> it's got the fingerprint identification of 12 hardened criminals. Um, uh, but, you know, Eliminating Richard, you probably guessed who the winner was. Me, uh, and my, I mean Michael. Michael. Hey. The winner is you, the audience. But Michael, more specifically, is the winner of this. And his choice is the first pitch, which could involve Ronald Reagan or another uh, president, and um, uh, foul ball, ball catch, which could be anybody. Could involve any of you, John Q. Publics out there. And then uh, the bat flip and catcher jumping, which is the most maybe one of the f- most flamboyant expressions of the homoerotic nature of baseball. <laughs> So, uh, it's more like Homer erotic. You can't dig it out now. I, the pun, you had that pun, you need to have that pun extra before innings. that. <laughs> Maybe you're in extra innings. This has been the Mount Rushmore podcast. I, as always, have been Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. <laughs> <laughs>